are. All the enemies of God are right down there. <laughs> They're miles down. <laughs> They're so far we can hardly see them because we are in Christ, one by what he's done. And all things have been placed under his feet. And he's sending you out as his sons and his daughters to go and extend the kingdom, to be a blessing, to let light shine in this world. So let's do it. Are you ready? Grab someone by the hand. <clears throat> yeah. Father, we'd be devastated if what happened in this room was allowed to remain in here. But we do thank you for what you're doing in this room. We pray that your glory and your life, your living water, would go from this place. And everywhere we go, it would get deeper and deeper and deeper. And every salty, stagnant place it reaches would become swarming with your life. Because you're the one who brings life in all its fullness. So whatever needs to happen in us, that that would accelerate and increase, we just say, yes, Lord. We surrender all. We love you with all our hearts. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do grab a seat. And um, if you haven't got a seat, there's some chairs at the front. You're very welcome to take ours if you'd like to do that. Well, what a joy to be together, isn't it? Yeah, I've always, I've always wanted to be a part of a church where we look forward to being together. <laughs> and it, I just do get excited come Thursday because it's like, yeah, who knows what's going to happen. We're getting closer. Here we go. And it's a joy to be together. And if you're, if you're joining us for the first time or coming new into the community, this is a, an awesome time to be coming into what God is doing here because we are in transition and um, we're praying about that, thinking about that. Most of all, just trusting that Jesus knows what he's doing and he's unclogging our ears and he's just helping us tune in with his plans. And what we wanted to talk about today, uh, I would say is not something we've massively spoken about in recent times, um, but what we wanted to talk about today was being a pastoral church in a fragmented age being a pastoral church in a fragmented age. And I don't think we need to do much cultural analysis to know how fragmented British society in the 21st century is becoming. You know, we become hyper-individualistic. You know, it, it, we just see some of the traditional ways of breaking down, and some of that maybe is good, but it's not being replaced by wholesome, solid building blocks in society. And uh, we, when we were in the Arctic this summer, um, and you go into a completely different culture, uh, we were, uh, spent some time in an Inuit community um, not far from the North Pole. And in there, how they do life is if someone brings home, you know, something that they've found. If someone, if someone catches a narwhal, 
and forgive the animal rights people, but if someone, or a bowhead whale or whatever, if someone gets food and wins something, what happens is they go home, they do enough for their family, then they go to the next house, and then they do enough for that family, then they go to the next house, they do enough for that, and they go down the street to ensure that what one person has won is for the benefit of everybody. You know, I just thought, we think we're so clever, don't we, in, in British society, but I was like, you know, if someone gets a bonus on my street, wouldn't it be awesome if it went down to the next house? And then, well, I just think there is something very challenging about individualized and atomized we've become. And it just doesn't look like the kingdom of heaven. So we wanted to talk this morning um, a bit about family. And we wanted to talk a bit about community. And we wanted to talk a bit about how we can become pastoral. And what this message isn't about is launching a bunch of practical initiatives. But I just wanted to say... Um, they are coming after Christmas, and we'll explain a bit of that once the new, here, new year hits. Um, but what we wanted to do was really just, I guess, share with you what we believe is on God's heart, that the Father would download his love in a way that really fleshes itself out in not only word and heart, but also with deed. And that's really our, our aim. Uh, before we start, we're going to pray, because actually this, what we're about to say, we don't want it to be nice ideas. This is biblical truth, and we want his love and his Holy Spirit to be working in us so that it can start to be released in this place. So let's just pray before we start. Father, I thank you that we are one family. I thank you, Jesus, for the way you love us. And I pray for us as a church that you will pour out love, grace, mercy, compassion, generosity on us all. That we will truly be a, a church who lives out what you said, that we should love each other as you have loved us. So we ask Holy Spirit to shine your light of truth, but bring the grace for us to live by your truth. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So if you've been with us uh, over the last even six months, 12 months, even the last couple of weeks, you will probably hear one of us from the front say family. And this is because over the last uh, 12 to 18 months, the Lord has been showing us that family is on his heart, that he cares for us as nuclear families. So at the start of this year, we were encouraging each other to build strong family, nuclear family relationships. So we're encouraging people to you know, honor their mother and father, seek out their sibling that they haven't been talking to for the last 10 years. And on our weekend away, we talked about how important family life is and how it's so precious to God and how it reflects his heart as a father. 
And we've also had, over the last uh, two years, prophetic words from the outside. When people have come to visit and speak to us, they've all picked up on that the Lord wants to do a work with family in this church. And this morning, so we've talked about nuclear family, but this morning we're going to be talking about us, the body of Christ, as one family. Because if we're Christians, we're all adopted into God's family. So that makes us brothers and sisters together. And the aim of this talk, we're going to be talking about how we become pastoral, how we do really well as a church. But the aim of this talk is to call us all to love each other better, deeper, with more honesty, with actions. And I just want to say at the start, you know, this is for us all. You know, we're standing here saying, that's what we want. You know, so this is a challenge for every single one of us. So one of the things that is a, a joy and a deep challenge when you have a bit of time out, like we did this summer, is you actually get to look at things once the dust settles and you get to, you know, get away from the, the coal face. Um, you get to just sort of reflect on how things are. And I think um, one important passage uh, for the last sort of six plus years um, really has been Ephesians chapter four and the gifts that Jesus gave to the church when he ascended uh, in order to help the body of Christ, the church, grow into fullness um, and the apostolic, prophetic, pastoral teaching and ev evangelistic gifts to enable the body uh, to be fit for purpose for the works of ministry so that we grow into the the likeness of Christ as a church. And I think reflecting this summer, I think one, one thing I would say is we have been uber pressing the pedal on the apostolic and at times not released some of the other gifts to flow well together. And if when I say apostolic, that doesn't really mean a lot to you and you're here for the very first time. Basically, when Jesus rounded up his merry band of fishermen and tax collectors and, you know, ragamuffins, what he basically did after showing them what it was all about was he appointed them apostles and he basically said, do the same. And he sent them out and he said, preach the kingdom of heaven's come. And he said, demonstrate it. And what it looks like is bodies are getting healed. Minds are getting set free. Peace is being released everywhere. Freely you're receiving now freely give away. And heaven is breaking in as you go. And so the apostolic gift looks like the atmosphere Jesus created all around him, where suddenly death was overcome by life, where freedom was overcoming oppression, where blind were seeing, there's joy, there's freedom, all of that. That's what the apostolic gift comes to do and comes to activate. And so I think God has been so faithful because, you know, we're sort of fumbling our way through all of us, aren't we? But, you know, God has been so faithful that lives are being changed. Bodies are getting healed. Minds are getting delivered. Freedom is here. Joy is amongst us. And it's awesome, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, praise the Lord. It's, just, it's all from him. As we've just been singing, it's all from him. It's all about him. And it's all returning to him. So this is not like, you know, well done, chaps. This is just like, you know, praise the Lord. I just cannot believe some of the stories that he is doing amongst us. But, 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 but I think actually, you know, if we're honest, we haven't really, and I, I take responsibility for this, always been good at mobilizing some of the other gifts. 
and you know then you come to think um, things through and actually I think just being super honest we don't want a massively hyper apostolic you know church and as long as your life's not falling apart and as long as you're never lonely and as long as your finances are okay and whatever then it's survival of the fittest and we'll just keep going after this thing and and I think just on our heart I think is just wanting us to grow as a community so that when we encounter heaven is released but actually what that looks like in a very tangible way is the most solid whole you know life-giving relationships and love between us that is so life-giving not only to the most closest people around us but to the whole world and and I think when you come to think about what does a pastor do what is a pastoral gift I think sometimes we can think, you know, a pastor is somebody who is a counsellor, you know, and is like a safe person to talk to. But again, if you think about Jesus as a pastor, who would say, is, was Jesus a pastor? He's the good shepherd, isn't he? He's lovely, isn't he? And he's meek and he's gentle and all of that. But Jesus, the pastor, is somebody who deals with restoring hearts, so there's wholeness. So you have some beautiful episodes like when Jesus had, had bacon and eggs with Peter on the beach in John 21. Do you remember it? You know, and um, he probably didn't have bacon, but um, he, he got the fire going. You know, Pete, Peter is out fishing. For some reason, removes, uh, he's removed all his clothes. He's having a naked fish. You know, <laughs> if you read the... Anyway, I'm going to get lost here. Peter then is so excited to get to breakfast on the beach with Jesus that he puts his clothes back on to dive in the water, which makes no sense. Um, and then he finally has his breakfast and has his sort of, you know, uh, hash browns and all that sort of stuff. And then Jesus restores him beautifully, doesn't he? You know, having completely, you know, shown Jesus his cowardice, he restores him. You know, do you love my sheep? Yeah, I do, Lord. And that beautiful episode sitting alongside how Jesus deals with the rich young ruler. Do you remember? I mean, that guy's loaded. And, he, and he's powerful because he's done everything that's required to inherit eternal life, hasn't he? But Jesus knows there's one thing that is a blockage in his heart. And he says, for you, my friend, you've got to sell all your possessions and give it all away. And he can't. And Jesus, as a pastor, says, oh, we'll come back. No, not all of it. Just 75%, you know. It's just it's better than a lot of people tithe, you know. But he said, but Jesus the pastor looks into his heart and he says, You, for you, this is what it requires to take up your cross and to follow me. And the young man listens and he walks away and he can't do it. And in one of the versions of the gospel story, Jesus it says, Jesus looked at him and he loved him as a pastor. But he knew that he wanted to develop wholeness in him. Uh, I just kind of, I think even as we talk about this, part of this gift being released amongst us is about the restoration of the heart and whole relationships. And that, I think, is, is as we've been sharing, I feel, on and off recently, is just right at the core of ensuring that what God does with us is able to grow to the, the widest and deepest possible level. So another thing we want to just point out and potentially adjust is this whole language that um, we're just mothers and fathers in the church. 
So yes, we are mothers and fathers, and I am called to release what God has given me onto others, to disciple, to mentor, to train people up, to build people, to encourage people. So, and we're all called to do that. But also, I think if we just stop at the language of mothers and fathers, sometimes those of us who feel like we are sons and daughters to a mother and father can feel like we're being given permission to not take responsibility. So it's quite easy to just think about, well, I, I'm kind of sitting under someone's mentorship, someone else's leadership, but I don't need to grow. I can just stay as a son or as a daughter of that person and just be mentored. But actually, I want to puncture that and grow that because we're all called to constantly grow. We're all called to constantly take responsibility for who we are, for the stuff in us that needs to slightly change. We're all called deeper, higher, to mature. And we're all called then, in this maturing process, to then release that on the younger people or the ones who are weaker. Or, you know, it's meant to be a constant process that we're all involved in. Not for the mothers and fathers to do that, but the sons and daughters to start rising up as mothers and fathers as well. So what does family look like? And I think most churches love the Acts 2 passage. We love what happens at the beginning of Acts. You know, we always quote it. We quoted it a couple of weeks ago. And that community is so attractive because there was no one in need. There was complete unity. There was commitment. They were devoted to one another. They were united together. They were hospitable, but they were constantly doing it in remembrance of what Jesus has done. So it wasn't just a social thing. It was actually they met and they worshipped together. They prayed together and they broke bread together. They had meals, but also remembering what Jesus has done. And actually, the, we talked a couple of weeks ago how we were talking then about 3,000 people. They were talking in that passage that it, that applied to 3,000 people, and no one was in need. They were all taken care of. They were all united. They were all had things in common. So we said then that the size of church in Acts wasn't, uh, it wasn't a small church so that it could look after everybody. It was a big church. And if we can get to grips, um, this stuff about loving one another, being devoted to each other, then if we grow to 3,000, 5,000, then we'll still be in this place like the Acts where no one was left out, no one was in need, and everyone was growing and caring for one another. It was about the quality of their relationships, not about the numbers. And we were saying it's increasingly, this is how we want it to be for us that we can do big numbers, but we can do relationships that are devoted to one another. And we need to relearn what it means to relate to one another because we're so far removed to what it was like in the Old Testament and even how they related to one another in the New Testament. We are so different to that in the 21st century British culture. And so our challenge is to learn a biblical 
model of doing relationships. Not one that's passed on from our families. Not one that we've learnt through our popular culture. Even in some cases, not one that we've inherited from present church culture. But let's go back to the Bible and let's re-look at what Jesus says and what Paul teaches the church there about how we are to relate to one another as brothers and sisters. Yeah, I think our heart in this is, you know, look at all of us here. You know, forget the keen ones or the really gifted ones or the ones who will probably put this into action, you know, but even every one of us here, if we got this and we love one another, it would be unstoppable. It really would be unstoppable. Um, so as Louise said, we just wanted to turn to the scriptures. And if you've got a Bible, we're going to read two different versions from Romans chapter 12. And um, what we wanted to do by reading in two different versions um, was just allow some of the some of the truth of this to penetrate our hearts and uh, and just to bring out different emphases um, that Paul's driving at in in the scriptures here. So Romans chapter twelve, we're going to pick it up at verse nine. Romans chapter twelve, verse nine. Great. I might just read the screen so it's not confusing. Do you ever sit in church and think, why doesn't the Bible match the screen? So, okay, let's try that. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mm. And we're going to read it from the Passion Translation as well. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honour of one another. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion towards him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. And eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. 
Speak blessing, not cursing, over those who reject and persecute you. Celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of one another's worth as you are your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scriptures say, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. And if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Win him over with kindness, for your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience, and God will reward you with favour. Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. So we just want to go through some of those points, really, to encourage us all to be that kind of people. So we want to just start by saying, let's be, and we've talked about this um, when we were talking about all the father heart stuff, let's be real with one another. And we mean it. <laughs> you know, let's be genuine. Let's not wear masks, as the Passion Translation puts it. Let's be sincere. Because how can we, as a, as a family, take care of each other's needs if we're not honest? If we just wear a mask, just smile, yeah, everything's really good. You know, that's not real. And if we want to be a family who actually take each other on, I mean lovingly, and are willing to journey with one another, we need to be real about who we are and where we're at. Because then loving is about giving love, but it's also being able to receive love. And we need to be people who are good at doing both. Not just loving people, but I'm terrible at receiving it. Actually, let's, you know, love and be loved together as one family. And I love it where it says, be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. What would it look like to just be tender to one another, all of us together, being kind, being gentle, and being devoted, that I care about where you're at, and I'm going to walk with you in that, taking an interest, but more than an interest, an action in where people are at, in their either walk with their family or with the Lord, just walking closely together. Verse 13 says, Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them and practice hospitality. You know, I was thinking there's kind of two options in a busy, large church. We could sit there, each of us, and think, Oh, I'd love to be invited round to that person's house. You know, I'd love to, them to have me round for a meal or something. You know, and um, you know, th this includes us. When you have two children, the invites start to dwindle. 
when you have four children, they get less and less and less because there's now an army to feed if anyone invites you around. But, uh, you know, plus we can always assume other people are busy. But what if we all took responsibility just over the next weeks and months to say, hey, listen, you know, sometimes preparing a meal is too time consuming and costly. Let's go for a coffee. Let's go for a walk. You know, what if we all did that and reached out? Then actually that'd be no problem, wouldn't it? Everybody would be included. And the blessing of practicing hospitality is, um, as the book of Hebrews says, is you know, never know, sometimes you entertain angels. You know, you, you by giving are also receiving. You know, and, and, I, and I think one key message we wanted to say, um, we'll look in the new year about some practical outworkings of pastoral structures, but the key message is none of us here are victims. Let's all take responsibility. You know, God is pumping into us so much, isn't he, in this season? So as he pumps in so much, then actually we all rise up and take responsibility and look around us and say, who can I love? Who can I give to? And if everybody's doing that, then no one is in need. You see how it works? You know, um, I think we love joy in our church. And I never want to lose that because I've been in so many depressed churches. (laughs) And the joy of the Lord is what? It's our strength, isn't it? You know, that's where we find the strength to overcome the storms and to overcome trials. But, you know, actually, we weep with those who weep. And we get down on our knees and we say, that, that really is really hard. And I just want to cry with you. And I want to say, yes, I'm jumping into this pit. And I'm not just going to stay there. I'm going to jump into the pit. We're going to cry together. And then we're going to find a ladder and crawl out together. And let's be a church like that. And it says, uh, don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus constantly crossed boundaries. He didn't stick to his own. He had meals with the tax collectors, meals with the prostitutes. He you know, could sit with the rich. He could sit with the poor. He loved across boundaries. And what would it look like if we as a church knew how to be inclusive? knew how to come alongside everybody, including young, old, black, white, rich, poor, male, female. Let's cross those boundaries as Jesus did and follow in his example. Um, Verse 17 says, never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. I mean, I think in some ways we're covering old ground. But if we did this, it would be radical. And what it would be like is if people were absolutely filthy to us and we always loved them back and didn't begin to put some barriers in the way uh, and didn't hold stuff in our hearts, but we just forgave. Uh, we did our best to live as everybody's friend. One of the challenges in a big place is we can't be everybody's friend if friendship is defined by time. But whenever we see you, we could have a moment and say, do you know what, how are you? And talk not just about golf, but actually how are things? You know, and how's your family? How's your work? You know, how's God in your life? And you could do, you could cover that in 10 minutes, what you could spend all day wandering around. Well, for me, it'd be zigzagging around a golf course, you know, talking about whatever. Just connecting, living as deep friends. 
I think also to make the point that we need to unite the spiritual and the natural. So when we meet together, we would love us to be able to encourage each other on spiritually, you know, call each other higher spiritually, read the scriptures together, read books together, you know, encourage one another in our walk with the Lord, but also let's help each other out with our physical, you know, whether it's we need food, whether it's we need clothes, whether we need somewhere to stay, let's unite the spiritual and the natural. So why doesn't it just happen naturally? You know, we've all read it. The Bible is full, particularly the New Testament. If you look at how they related to one another, the instructions that Paul gave um, in the letters to the churches, how Jesus lived, he's quite clear about how we love one another. You know, he, he calls us on. We, it's not just about loving the Lord our God with all our heart, strength and mind. It's also that we're meant to love our neighbour as ourselves. Those two things are meant to be related, that we love him with everything we have and we love each other with everything we have. So we just want to just reference a few things that stop us from being like that so that we can be aware and deal with it. I think the first one is independence because we're very good at being independent and yet God created us to be dependent on one another. Now, dependent in our mind can sometimes think, well, I'm not going to work and I'm going to sponge off you. Actually, no, that's not, that's not a biblical way either. It's about being, um, you know, so related together and so, you know, in harmony that we're walking together as one, as one family. I'm not just Lou over here, James over there. You know, we're one Let's not be shutting our doors. I'm keeping my family to myself. I'm keeping my spiritual life to myself. I'm keeping my money to myself. But let's do it how Jesus taught us and be one together. Be dependent on each other. I think all of us have got fears of getting burnt out or drained. Again, probably because of past experience. But let's not, just because of that fear, not do it. Let's inquire of the Lord and get some healthy boundaries. Let's have healthy relationships, healthy dependency, but not, I'm going to be a drain on you. But let's all take responsibility of that for ourselves so that we're not a drain on someone else. And you know how if someone is being a drain, you know how to handle that in love. And I think there's a fear of revealing who we are. And that stops us from being honest. Will, will that person like me if I tell them that I'm struggling with that? But again, let's just try and overcome those things so that we can be brothers and sisters together. I think this is connected to our fear of, of getting drained or burnt out. But, you know, fear of time, you know, I think we're constantly, the message in our culture is we haven't got enough time, isn't it? So work harder, be quicker, be more effective. Um, and, you know, just in our world, when you're in ministry, you know, and I, I would say even more so in kind of parish ministry, like I, when, when, when I'm, I'm just being honest now, when I go into the community, I could spend a what I think is a generous portion of time and there's always a disappointment when I go, <laughs> you know. Now, it, it's kind of, you know, 
if I don't deal with that, then I would then not do it. But actually, it's about saying, Lord, I want to give of myself according to what you're saying. And I'm going to be fully present in that. And I'm going to be, I mean, we're talking about church now. I'm going to be devoted to people. Um, and I'm going to overcome the fear of just not having enough, whatever it is, time or hospitality or big enough house or whatever it is, so that we actually do reach out and make one another feel as if we're their friend, which is what Paul's just written to us, uh, and we do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say one final thing. It's just, I think we we are... In, in our church, um, we've inherited some really good things from our Church of England inheritance and some really not good things. Um, and one of the things that we do have to war against is that it does come back to the vicar. And in some ways, I'm kind of, you know, maybe I can't say this and uh, stuff, but I'd just say it anyway. <laughs> um, we can't do this on our own. And there are lots of people who are, you know, doing this. But actually, what would it, would it look like if we had hundreds of us practicing this? And then no one would be in need. And then there would be just a, a tidal wave of love just sweeping out from us if we all did this. And we know our parts to play in the gifts that God's called us to. And that doesn't mean we say, here are my gifts, I'm not doing this. We, we're challenging ourselves to practice some of the things that we're saying in a deeper way and to live them out more truly and more fully. Um, is that? Yeah. Um, we are aware of the structures in terms of um, you know, home groups. I promise you, look out, spring 2020. And equally, we are also aware that, that certain people need specialist um, pastoral care. And again, we're not saying that that is for everybody. We are, we are looking into setting up a team for that. So don't hear that. Um, we're not taking responsibility for you. That is not what we're saying. But what we are saying is we'll take responsibility for those things, but let's all take responsibility for each other. Let's be a family. And... Uh, I think also something that really struck me is when you read 1 Corinthians 13. You know, let's, let's not be a church that's great at prophecy. That's great at speaking in tongues, but is rubbish at loving one another. Can we just not be like that? How many charismatic churches are like that? And it, he's not calling us to be like that. You know, it's love is the most important thing. And come on, we've got to get this right. We've got to love like Jesus. And we're speaking to ourselves as much as to anybody else. But we'd like to suggest that this is the highway to 2033. If we can love each other in this room really well, that love is so attractive to the world. And if we can love one another, then we can love prostitutes and you know, people who are even more in need than you know, crazy in need. If we can love one another and love our families well, then we can start housing kids who need fostered, kids who need adopting. But it starts with us. It starts with surrendering ourselves, 
laying our lives down for our brothers and our sisters. It starts by being open with one another, with being devoted to one another. I think, you know, what, what would it be like if we could truly say, there's no one in need here? Because they managed it with 3,000, 2,000 years ago. And they managed it for seven or eight years until persecution hit in Acts chapter 8. What would it be like if we could say there is truly no one in need in this church? And so we are ready for those who are in need. Please send us the most broken. Please send us the most lost. Please send us the most challenging. Because society doesn't know what to do with this. Uh, with people who are in really dark places. But I think we just feel really, or how do I want to say, Father has been releasing revelation of his love on a personal level. The logical conclusion next is that that love is manifest amongst us in our relationships. But the logical conclusion of the Father's heart, do you know what it is? It's adoption. And it's sending us those who just need love and so I think what, what we just feel God is wanting to download to us in this next season is to get ourselves under just his love so much, but to follow that through into our relationships and the quality of our community. You know, what would it be like if some of us were struggling financially and we did do what they did in the book of Acts and we sold property to provide for those who were in need? You know, what would that be like? What would it be like if we sincerely devoted ourselves and said, come and eat in my home? You know, we, this is subject of another thing, but we were just doing some study on, on um, uh, some of the um, Sabbath principles over the summer. And um, it's interesting now, if, you, if you're part of a, a modern-day Jewish family, you know, Friday night is a massive deal. You know, and it's not just the household, it's like three or four families um, who gather together, share life, remember what God's done, tell the stories, feast together, build one another, and then they're ready to go. You know, we, we can do this. What would it be like if we opened up our lives and opened up our homes um, for this? And... Uh, does this make any sense to anybody? Okay. Are we ready? You know, we want to we want to be full of the Holy Spirit. And we want to be a community that looks like Jesus. It seems to me that he dealt with his disciples with such intimacy and love. They couldn't keep people away. That's what we want to be like. That's what we want to be like. I think we're done. Why don't we stand together? We're going to pray in a minute, but just look around the room in a minute, not in an embarrassed way. Just look at the people God has placed in the family that he is building here. Just look around, turn around your chair, have a look. Some of them should have brushed their hair today. <laughs> One or two should definitely have had a shave. Uh, 
Charlie seems to have lost his razor blades in wisdom. Um, yeah. Father, would you, would you do something so powerful and strong? Which is reveal your love, which gives us such an overflow in our hearts of desiring to show your love and to give your love and to receive your love and to share your love so powerfully that we might truly be a family. And they managed it 2,000 years ago. We kind of don't really know how to do that. and We can try and engineer it in all sorts of ways. But, Lord, we just need your supernatural grace to enable this to be a reality. And so we just ask right now that with, with us lot here in this, in this church, that you would make us people who love with such a rich, deep love that it transforms and overflows and makes a real, real difference. That we would become the people where we say to the world, please send us your worst. That we are able to love so powerfully that all fear is flung away by the power of your love. Thank you, Lord. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd love you just to uh, close, we'd love to just close this service by just getting you to turn maybe in threes and fours. Decide who's the shortest, start with them. And just take five minutes, go around the group and just take five minutes just praying in the love of God. You know, it might be that you ask a simple question, you know, are you in need? You know, and then you who are praying, you know, you just respond with the love of our Heavenly Father, who is just, he's pouring out himself in these days. And uh, you just love one another in prayer, bless one another. And um, we'll just do that for five minutes or so. Then we'll close up officially uh, and then we'll go on our way. All right. Just turn in threes and fours um, and uh, just bless one another for five minutes or so. Yeah.